I'll be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure what to, to do tonight. I had a few plans maybe to talk about the philosophy of sports or uh, perhaps the current political climate uh, or some of my experiences with uh, some of the more extreme sides of uh, a modern American philosophy and politics, but, uh, but that kind of fell through. And so today I'm going to do something a little bit, I don't know, different. Um, I don't exactly have an MO yet, so I guess most of this podcast is just me talking. But today, today I'm going to try and tell a story um, that I've derived, I suppose, from the uh, history of the, the Bible. And I'm going to try and codify that entire story uh, within something of an allegory, um, a, a picture of, of what's going on, drawing off of some of the imagery that's used in the book of Revelation. Um, I'm going to give this a try. Now, as a, as a warning before I get started, I'm not a licensed, not a licensed, a licensed be, be darned, I, I am a layman, all right? So do not take everything that I say as necessarily true, especially if you are somebody who's never read the Bible or are not a Christian. Um, I'd, I'd encourage you to hear it, but also to test it against what the scripture actually says and see if, see if it bears out. And I think reading it with the lens that I hope to give you uh, will open your eyes to something maybe you haven't seen before. Um, so... Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I hope hope uh, you enjoy this. Before I get started, I would like to comment that I have recently discovered the immense value of candlelight in a world that's awash with digital screens and electric light, and you know it was just everywhere. It's a it's a blessing. Don't get me wrong, but there's something very somber and meditative, I suppose, about about a natural flame. And I have found it very good for my own personal, I guess, meditations, um, my own personal uh, thinking, reading, and uh, brooding activities, brooding as in thinking, um, thinking deeply and, and really pondering something to, to get to the, to the heart of it. Um, and, and so I, I, if you have the opportunity, um, and you're, uh, interested in hearing what I have to say, I'd, I'd encourage you to, uh, maybe turn off the lights if you, if you have the opportunity, if you have the time and the freedom, turn off the lights and, uh, light a candle. And even if you don't end up, uh, listening to this all the way through, just spend some time in that, uh, in that mindset and, and kind of detox from all of the crazy, crazy digital madness that we have. You know, there's a, there's a feeling that when we are connected, we have to constantly connect with one another. But in that constant connection, we tend to lose ourselves, lose sight of, of who we are and uh, who, we, well, who we truly are in, in the good and the bad ways. Uh, so I'd encourage you to, uh, to do that regardless of your interest in what I'm about to undergo. Um, the, the story is rough. The, 
outline alone is before me. And so I will take my candle and begin our story. And a long time ago, in a distant land that was beautifully temperate, there was a, uh, there was a hill, a hill upon which a, a great fortress was positioned. Its walls were so high, none could scale them. And from it, over these walls, streamed forth rivers that, that flowed out and watered the entire basin below this mighty hill. And while no one could go up to this hill, uh, there was a there was a very narrow pathway that was was open to anyone who, from the fields, wanted to go up to this to this glorious fortress. And this fortress was built by the lord of these lands, the king. And his dominion ruled over as far as the eye could see. And from, from the highest tower of this, of this fortress, he could see all things. For as far as one could perceive existing on this, on this plain below, thus far was the ends of his kingdom. And within this fortress, behind these walls, he placed a garden. And he, he put this garden there for the good of his, uh, well, his child. Um, he had a, uh, a daughter. And this, this daughter, the princess, was within the, within the tower. And she would often go and wander amongst the, the, fl the flowers and the fruit trees and the different herbs and spices there she learned much about how the garden worked and also got to understand the different characters within the garden, chief of which was the gardener himself. This man was appointed by the king to maintain everything and keep it in good order, and he was very good at his task. Uh, the king had, had given him a fantastic training, and he, uh, he had no lack. And so every day... The princess would come down from her tower and peruse the gardens and spend time there, and the gardener would tend to his, his responsibilities. But as the princess continued through the garden, she found a, uh, a cage, a cage placed in the corner of the garden. Not, not, not the far corner, but away from the main, the main, uh, routes and halls. And in this cage there there was a beast. She could not see it entirely because it was shrouded in darkness. But she could she could hear the snarling of this creature. She could hear the clanking of the chains that bound him to this cage. And she was afraid. And so she ran to the gardener and asked him, What is what is what is this? What is this thing? And the gardener responded, That is the enemy of the king. That is his, his old foe. He has captured him and bound him here in his fortress so that none may come and set him free. But 
we are not to approach him. We are not to hear him, listen to him if he ever speaks. And, and do not be afraid of him, for he has no power. But, but stay away. and do not, do not approach. The king had one, one rule for his, for his daughter. And that rule was that she would stay within the walls. She would remain there. For it was there for her protection. At an appointed time, she would be permitted to go and peruse the rest of the kingdom, but not not at this hour, and and it was not set for her to go there. And the gardener knew this, and his job was to remain within the garden as well. He had been given a fantastic palace for all intents and purposes by the king so that he could come and tend this garden for the king. One day the gardener and the princess were walking together. He, They had formed a good friendship with one another and were uh, sharing openly with the one another the, the ways of the garden and different understandings that they had of, of all the flowers and the creatures that dwelt in the garden under the peace of this wondrous ecosystem. And they found themselves on the corner by the ancient beast. And and they looked, and, and indeed they were there, and, and the dragon was there. And they could tell that it was a dragon because they could see the breath in his, in his nostrils. They could hear the flapping of his wings. But he didn't attack them. He did not snarl this time. And they were, they were curious. Why, why is he not snarling? And he looked to them and said, Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to harm you. I'm, I'm far too long in this cage to believe I have any chance of escape. I am simply here to discuss with you my knowledge of the garden and the things that I have learned over my many years. Truly, I want to make this a more beautiful place, for indeed I am trapped here. And why should I not want to improve the view as long as I'm here? This caught the attention of the two walking through the garden, and so they approached him, and looking upon him a little closer, they found he was much less hideous than they had believed at first. He was truly beaten and broken, and he had been thoroughly and utterly captured. There was no escape for him. They knew they were not supposed to listen. They knew they ought not to listen. But the words intrigued them, and this surprising appearance was off-putting. And so they did not heed the words of the king, and they, they came closer. There was a brief moment where they seemed to see a, a glint in the beast's eyes before he returned to his humble state and said, In my many travels across the many lands, when I was first at war with this king, I was able to see such wondrous flowers, such beautiful things that are not inside of this garden here. 
I do not understand why the king would not include them. But truly, they were a bane of my existence. They were such beauties that I thought for sure he would have included them. Now that my heart has been turned, now that I am reconciled, I suppose, with, with what is orderly and right, I, I see no reason why we should not go forth and bring these into the harmony of the garden, why we should not add to the bliss that's already around us. Indeed, is this not what the king desires? Why else would he have you here? Clearly, he would like you to go forth and grow the garden. That is why he brought you. So, if you just listen to me, I will, I will tell you the location of a flower of great beauty and great worth, so that you may add to this beautiful garden, and you may be commended indeed by the king, who in his, well, I dare not say folly, but perhaps in his over-eagerness to bring me to justice, has overlooked some of the more humble beauties of the world. But you, humble people, you are not blinded by his arrogance. Let me, let me show you. And, and this had caught the, the, the interest of the gardener and the, and the princess. And, and they said, well, we can't ha you can't show us for the, there is no way to get out of, of, the, of this castle, of this fortress, except if we were to go over the, over the edge of the cliffs, all other entrances are guarded. The beast said, well, perhaps, even if you have not the power to escape, but I, I know a place on the wall, an old entrance that was blocked up. And it looks just like the rest of the wall, but in truth it used to be a place where the king would go forth and get the flowers to bring into this garden unseen, so that it might appear that he simply was cultivating growth. So it, I will show you this secret entrance, if you will but let me guide you. I, I have no interest in escape. It is not my interest. And indeed, if I were to try to escape, the king would hunt me down in no time. It would be no problem for him. His armies patrol the ground below. And the people there who prosper in the, the beauty of this, of this glorious kingdom, why, they will see me from miles away and, and truly understand what the threat it is, and the king will come and... I will, rather than being captured, I will be destroyed. It's not in my interests at all to escape. I, I simply want what's best for your garden. Your garden. Now these words, these words seemed, seemed wise to the gardener. He had been tending it for quite a while now, and he did look upon it as his own. And so he consented. Before he could even consider this, though, the, the princess had approached and gone to find the entrance to the, to the cage. And when they found it, they found it was actually, it was, it was locked in a relatively simple way. And so they opened, they opened this gate and out came this great, mighty beast. And truly, to see him unchained as they, as they removed the, the shackles from his 
arm, forearms. Well, he's a dragon, but uh, from his from his claws and his wings and his neck, they saw great beauty in the patterning of his coloration, and they began even more to look upon him with with pity and with mercy. And they heeded his words, and he led them toward a corner near where he was. And there they, they could not see any, any entrance, nor any path that would lead to an entrance. But he asked them, Where do you see it? Where is the secret entrance? And they looked, and, and they thought they saw something. Not, not in the wall itself, but over the wall there seemed to be a, a glint of something that they, they had never seen before. And so they, they pointed to this position on the wall, and, and the dragon pulled up all of his might and power, and he breathed a mighty breath upon the wall. But the wall stood. And then he lashed out. He lashed out with all of his might. And the wall still stood. And they were, they were beginning to wonder at a while. But then, then the gardener remembered that he had, he had some of the tools for repairing and maintaining his garden. And he grabbed some of them and slowly began to, to work at some of the stones in this, in this area, believing, of course, that it had simply been blocked up. And when he found a, a, a spot that, that was loose, he, he worked at it, and he, he worked it loose a little bit more and a little bit more, and finally he, uh, he, he went over and asked the, the princess for her aid, and, and the two of them worked at getting some of the, the grout out of the, out of the wall and some of the, the mortar to, to loosen the stone, and they finally removed one of the stones. And while the rest of the wall still stood and still stood strong, the dragon then found his opening, and he breathed a mighty breath into this wall, and he began to knock it asunder, just a small hole. And eventually, he broke through just enough for them to fit through, and they pushed the wall open. And behold, on the other side of the wall, they saw the wasteland. For, indeed, nearby, they had seen a, a close and, and, a, and a reasonable, it seemed, paradise. But in the distance now, something had happened. There was... There was great destruction all about them, and and they looked back, and the garden seemed fine, and and yet the rivers, the rivers were not flowing. The waterfalls that would cascade down the sides of this great mountain were no longer, no longer, finding their ending in the prairie below, but rather some void had opened beneath them and their waters were were cascading even further below where where I could not see and they were there was great darkness there they did not know what it was and, and they became they became afraid and the dragon turned to them and said come with me i will show you 
I will show you the flower. Don't be afraid. This is the reality. It's always been like this. You've simply been deceived because you could not see over. There was a mirage before your eyes. And truly, this is the real world. This is the king's work. I was fighting against this. I was fighting against him, hoarding all of the, the wealth and power in his kingdom. But no, now, now you see the truth. Now you will come with me. Indeed, why don't we, why don't we bring some of the plants back with us? Once we've enriched your garden, your garden under the king. Here the gardener became offended at the king. For he looked and behold, he had been, he had been deceived. And so he, he turned at that garden and, and suddenly all of its beauty and glory seemed to him as, as nothing but dust. And he turned and he ran down the hill taking the princess with him and the dragon following slowly, confidently behind, working to stretch his wings, preparing to fly. As he leapt down from rock to rock, the gardener felt that something was, something was very wrong with what had been going on in that castle, and, and he began to hate the king himself. The princess, too, was, was questioning her father's integrity. She was not sure anymore, for if he had not only locked up such a magnificent beast, but also hidden from her the, the waste that lay below, what, what tragedy, what tragedy it was. And truly, she, it was her duty to go and, and do what he had not done, to rectify his, his misguided attempts to, to do the right thing to do what was good. He clearly didn't know what he was doing. It was her job now to, to make sure it was done right. And so the two made their way down the hill, east of the mountain, east of the hill. The great waterfall flowed down beside them, but into that great chasm, they knew not whence it flew. It went. They began to worry at the might of those waters and turned their way away from it, and as they reached the plain, they, they looked into the distance, and they saw a great, a great lake far in the distance, and, and they knew that there, there they would, they would find a different water. They would be able to build a new garden for themselves. They'd be able to take the plants that the dragon had told them of and, and bring them all there and build a better garden, build a true garden. But as they saw in the distance this, this lake, they heard behind them the sound of trumpets. The sound of trumpets calling from the fortress. And the trample of feet. And the sound of voices. And here they hid. They found a, a rock behind which they would hide. But the rock disintegrated as they approached it. Just as the, as the void had opened up below the, the waterfall, this rock vanished before them as they approached it. And they looked upon it with wonder, and, and they continued to find, they tried to find yet another and yet another, but they could not. And they, as they approached the waterfall, they, they recoiled because they, they knew that if they went there, they were truly lost. And they looked to the dragon who was equally afraid, and yet... And yet something in his eyes showed that he was not 
not truly disconcerted, but more more un unsure as to the, the fate of what was about to happen. With great confidence, though, at his own security, and so they ran toward him. And as they approached him, a spear came hurtling toward them, driving a wedge between the two of them. Its whistling sound brought to a sudden stop as it thudded in the ground, right before their feet. They looked in the direction from whence it had come, and there was a great warrior clad from head to toe in armor. They could not see his face, and they could not see the arms he bore, but they could see his breastplate, and on that breastplate was the symbol of the king. He had a sword girded on his left hip, and in his left hand he carried a great shield. Behind him was the king. They could not look at him. They were disgusted, so disgusted. They were, they were offended at his presence, that he would now come down to this place that he had clearly never cared about before. And so they recoiled. But they, as they recoiled, they moved away from this great beast, for the king had come between them, and his bodyguard, his warrior, came to retrieve the spear that he had thrown. The king turned to the gardener when he had approached. The gardener at this point was looking at the dust, looking at the dust that he had worked up in that fortress for so long. And when the king called to him, he gave a bitter response. The king said, What are you doing here? How did you, how did you get out of the enclosure? And the, the gardener responded, I... I followed your daughter here. I followed her around the garden for days and days. And she and I went and found this, this great dragon that you, had, that you had tied up. And she convinced me that, well, perhaps it was best that we, we let this poor beast go. And, and I, knowing her to be your daughter, I said, well, very well. I shall. And so I did. And, and she then led me out of this great castle through a hole in the wall. And now that I am here, I have seen that I was deceived, that out here is nothing but desolation and death. And so the king turned to his daughter, and he asked her, What have you done? Have you... Have you let this creature go? And she could not look her father in the eye and, and responded, Yes. Yes, because I saw his suffering was so great and his words so pitiable. I had to have mercy on him. I had to, I had to ease him of his pain. Besides, he spoke of such beauty and glorious splendor that we could add, that, that you had ignored, that, that I was caught up in, in the beauty of his words. And indeed, he is himself so glorious. I could not help but trust that he knew what the truth was. 
It felt, it felt right. And so the king turned to his old enemy, who used to, used to be such a great, great ally of his. On his back, the king's host had moved forth, conquering the darkness, driving it back. But the dragon's fire, they had lit a flame in that darkness. They had kindled warmth, life, existence in that dark void. Having driven back the nothingness, the king had placed the foundations of the rivers. He had built the foundations of the fortress upon a hill that had existed before the dragon even knew what it was. But the dragon had been there. He had seen the fortress. He had beaten back the darkness. And he had seen what he had worked so hard for be given over to a peasant. A peasant to tend his garden to tend the work he had so delicately cultivated. He, shining light in that darkness, bringing heat for the plants to grow, spreading the dominion of the king to all corners of the world. He had allowed this garden to, to be brought forth, and it had been given over to a peasant, to a to nothing, to the slime of the earth. The dragon knew, the dragon knew that he didn't deserve it. And he had fought the king. He had, he had told the king of the injustice. He had brought the case before him, before the great armies. He had confronted him as the most trusted advisor of the king. And he had been shunned. Indeed, this warrior who now stood between them, armed with the spear and the sword and the shield, this great warrior had confronted him to his face for daring to challenge the king. And in this moment, the dragon took his armies. The dragon took those loyal to him and by great treachery assaulted the king. The warrior who stood now before him, between him and this scum, the gardener, and his daughter. Oh, what nepotism. The gardener and the princess, guarded by this, this warrior who had, who had stood valiantly against this dragon and had chained him with a mighty chain and locked him ever in sight in the sight of his oppressor, of, of those who, who without any right had taken his position, his garden, had taken the love, the position of power that the king owed him. The dragon hated the king, and he feared the warrior, but he knew, he knew of the deep magic the deep magic. Yes, for dragons have always been magical creatures. They've always understood that magic. That first assault of the dragon, he had dwelt 
so long in that darkness that he understood the great power that lay within it, and he had, he had inhaled it, he'd breathed it in, and he knew it. And he, he, he had to know it because he also had spread the power of the king, the king's magic, through the words of the king. But he knew that the king's words, the king's magic, was tied in to the work of this great fortress, this great tower. He had been there when it was built. And he knew, he knew the deep enchantments that lay upon it. It was for this reason he had led them to the garden wall, to the edge. And so, when the king looked at him and said, Because you have done this, you are cursed. More than everything else, more than any other creature, more than anything else in, on earth that could ever be cursed. You are now the lowest of the low. You will ever eat the ground. You will, you will spend your life tasting the dust. And with these words, the dragon reeled in pain and agony, and he screamed for the wings that he had been given to spread the word were were up in flames and they were they were eating him from the inside this this fire that he had so often used to drive out the darkness was was burning within him and the wings oh his mighty wings he had not stretched since he was captured they were burned they were consumed as the fire moved from within him to without when the fire reached his skin it charred it black and as it expanded outwards, it burned any semblance of beauty that had lain in his features. And the gardener and the princess looked, and he was a hideous sight to behold. This dragon now, with burnt skin and wicked eyes, for all the charm had left them. They saw him now for what he was, the great worm, the great deceiver. Oh, they saw now what he had done to them, that truly his was the desolation that was beyond. But how? The king still spoke. I'm not finished with you. Your destruction is not yet. Because I have tied together the dominion, the rule, the deep overlordship of these lands, not with myself and not with you, but with, with this gardener. I gave him authority, and I will not rescind it. For when I have spoken, when the king decrees a thing, it may not be overturned, but I will make another decree. Indeed, to the gardener belongs the authority, and to my blood belongs the vengeance. And he will conquer you. He will utterly destroy you. And all these works of desolation you have wrought, he will undo. He will crush you 
to the ground. He will destroy you. He will crush your tongue, your jaw, your mighty brow into the dust. And you, you will be so vanquished that he will bruise his heel on your head. He will suffer for this, but you will be overcome and my victory will be complete. My mercy will be complete. At this, the king then turned to his daughter and he said to her, daughter, in that you have disobeyed, in that you have done the one thing I have told you, you must not do. You will now be cursed to live in this wasteland and to suffer many things. This man who you have tied yourself with will be your protector and your oppressor. The two of you will not dwell in peace with one another. The two of you will be at enmity with one another. You will ever wish that in his absence, in his failure to take up a kingly role, that you could do it for him, but you shall not, and he shall oppress you the ever more because of it. And then he turned to the man, and he said, Because you have disobeyed me, you may never again return. You will die, and all the people around you will die. All of your works will be nothing. Everything you try to grow will die. Your life will be suffering and misery. You will have anguish and pain. Everywhere you go, you will be a wanderer. And you will never feel the comforts of this garden again. You will ever desire it, and you shall not achieve it. Because you did not listen to my words, you did not heed them, you did not take them to heart, you did not dwell in my commands. Truly now, the deep magic that has based the foundations of this place has been upended. You have chosen to abandon it, and you must suffer the consequences. I have declared it so. And so it shall be. Go thee hence to the east. Dwell there, for you may not return. At this word, they saw a chasm open. From the pit where these waterfalls had gone, a chasm opened and encircled the mountain. Indeed, it seemed that the heights of the cliffs reached to the very heavens, and before them the great chasm that opened was soon filled with flames that encircled this place. A great cloud descended upon it, and lightning was in the cloud, and it glowed with such fire that they could not stand it. And seeing the wrath of the king and the great might that he possessed, they slunk away to the east bitter, mournful, sad, in full knowledge that they had earned 
every bit of the curse. That at every turn this great deceiver had lied to them, driven a, a wall between them and the good place they had been so recently. And now they could not even see that garden. They could not even see the retaining wall that had kept them inside. And none of that wondrous living water flowed forth any more. So they made their way to the lakes in the distance, which now, their eyes open, they saw were muddy and full of flies and mosquitoes and all sorts of creeping things. But before them, as they crept away, they saw the dark shadow escape, a dark form moving through these empty lands with two shining, hate-filled eyes. The dragon knew what the king had said. He understood the curse that was placed upon him the curse that the king had placed upon his own blood, his daughter, and this man. If the dragon could not destroy them soon, destruction would come upon him, and he must go and prepare all evil. He must gather his forces, he must gather his wits, he must retreat and find a way to hide himself, hide his his evident evil and disgusting nature from these two, until that time where he could perhaps overcome them, be a, approached as, a, as an old friend, a reminder of the good times. But now this memory was too hot. He must escape. He must go forth, go before them to sow chaos and destruction. And so as the fire and cloud hid the glory of the mountain of the king from the man and the woman. The dragon slunk before them as they turned their hearts away from it and hoped to find some life outside of it, trusting only in the words that the king had spoken that there would come a day of victory for them. For just as when he had spoken the curse to the man and the woman, the fire and chasm had opened before their eyes, so too, when they spoke the promise, the curse that he had given to that serpent, where the fire had gone forth and scorched his body, some of that fire appeared before them. In the dark and cold of night, as they journeyed far from the mountain, that light kept them warm. It kept them safe. It kept them confident that there was still some hope. That even in the new darkness, a darkness they had never known, and a world that they had never feared, in a world where the walls of the king could no longer protect them, when the fruits of the garden could no longer feed them. These words kept them safe and secure and reminded them ever of that, of that promise, of the mercy 
that the king had showed in not destroying them entirely. Then they treasured them dearly and kept them close. And when they went and found others who were not attacking them or assaulting them, they told them of these words. And slowly but surely they approached this foreign city, this mighty host in the east, waiting with anticipation to see what on earth this people could be doing so far away from the king's domain. What new and strange worlds were they about to enter? What strange people? And to whom did their allegiance lie? Find out next time. I've realized that this has gone a little longer than I expected. I kind of got caught up in the moment. So thanks for, thanks for joining me here. Um, I'll probably th throw these in every once in a while. It's uh, as an exercise to, to try and uh, improve my storytelling. But for those of you who have listened to me this far, I appreciate your consideration. And uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, being here. And I hope your candlelight meditations are, are blessed. So uh, thus far, we've gotten through the, the fall. And next time we'll get to the, uh, well, you'll just have to find out. Uh, so please feel free to let me know uh, in any way. Uh, comments are much appreciated on what you thought of the episode and uh, how, I can, how I can make it better and make it more interesting for you. So uh, with that, uh, thanks, thanks again for listening. Um, please listen to the other stuff I got. It's not of the same caliber. It's a little bit different, mostly uh, philosophical. And uh, let me know what you think. Uh, until next time, may your meditations be ever lit by the one true light which comes from above.